great senior pastor. That's not part of my sermon time, so that's good, all right? But this, you talk about impact and what an impact one pastor and his family has had in all of our lives, right? The family impact is huge. And yeah, you could clap for that because this is the impact we all want to have. And I want to talk about the impact of family this t- today. And I want to talk about family ties. On the picture, you see a, on the screen, you see a picture of my family. There's me, kind of the person that puts the fun and dysfunctional. And then my son, Isaiah, who's a really good singer, and my wife, Joy, who's the beauty of our family and really smart, too. And so our family right here, go back to that for a minute. Our family right here is having a family tie built on the foundational truth of God's word. What would your portrait look like? Who would be in your picture? And I start that off today because we're going to look at two things today. We're going to look at earthly families and we're going to look at all of us together, the impact of God, the family of God having an impact. And what would your picture look like? What is an impact? Are we making an impact for God at CBCC? Who would say yes? I would too. And so we make an impact by being tied together. In a family tie, if you look at earthly family ties, it's a relationship between people with personal ties. Maybe they're family members, maybe they're adopted, maybe they are recognized siblings living together. So there's this earthly tie, and I want to propose this morning that there's also this spiritual tie. We've been built on the foundation of Christ in our earthly families, but also as our church family, and not just churches at CVC, church at CVCC, but churches around the world. We've been adopted into God's family. We've been called to follow God. And the Bible has so much to say about this. And my hope is that in our earthly families and the family of God, that we sometimes have to put up with each other. But I know, amen, okay? And more than anything, I can see it in Scripture, is that we're supposed to love each other always, right? That should be a huge amen. Because our Heavenly Father loved us. So this morning, we'll talk about our family's tied, our family ties this foundation in Christ. And I could talk a long time for this, but I won't, okay? And we're going to start with this question for our families. What is your view of God? How would you explain God to someone else? What is your foundational viewpoint of God? That's all the question kind of wrapped up into one. Because we've all learned theology. We've all learned about God from someone somewhere. And so I have this fun story, Daniel Dutton's explanation of God. Let me tell you, I shared this with one Sunday school class earlier this year, but I said, this is a great uh, visual of who God is. Now, Daniel, he is an eighth or a third grade student, eight years old, okay? So you can imagine how this is going to go. And his homework assignment was to explain his view of God. So here we go. His explanation from eight-year-old Danny Dutton. One of God's main jobs is making people. He makes them to replace ones that die so there'll be enough people to take care of things on earth. He doesn't make grown-ups, just babies. I think because they're smaller and easier to make. (laughs) That way he doesn't have to take up his valuable time teaching them how to talk and walk. He can just leave that to their mothers and fathers. God's second most important job is listening to prayers. That's an awful lot 
going on. And there's so much of this, since some people, like preachers and things, pray more than just at bedtime. <laughs> God doesn't have to, time to listen to the radio or TV because of this. Because he hears everything, there must be a terrible lot of noise in his ears, unless he's thought of a way to take care of this and to turn it off. God sees everything and hears everything and is everywhere, which keeps him pretty busy. So you shouldn't go wasting his time by going over your mom and dad's head asking for something they said you couldn't have. I love this. Atheists are people who don't believe in God. I don't think there are any in our town. At least there aren't any who come to our church. <laughs> Jesus is God's son. He used to do all the hard work like walking on water, performing miracles, and trying to teach the people who didn't want to be taught or learn about God. They finally got tired of him preaching, and they crucified him. But he was good and kind like his father, and he told his father that they didn't know what they were doing and to forgive them, and God said, okay. All right, that's pretty good right there. A couple more. His dad, God, appreciated everything that he had done and all of his hard work on earth. So he told him that he didn't have to go out on the road anymore. He could stay in heaven, so he did. And now he helps his dad out by listening to prayers and seeing things which are important for God to take care of and which ones he can take care of himself without having to bother God. It's like a secretary, only more important. <laughs> you can pray anytime you want, and they are sure to help you because they got it worked out, so one of them is always on duty all the time. You should always go to church on Sunday because it makes God happy. And if there's anybody you want to make happy, it's God. Don't skip church or do something you think would be more fun like going to the beach. This is wrong. And besides, the sun doesn't come out to the beach till noon anyway. <laughs> you don't, if you don't believe in God, besides being an atheist, you will be very lonely because your parents can't go everywhere with you like to camp, but God can. It's good to know he's around when you're scared in the dark or when you can't swim and you get thrown into the deep end by the big kids. <laughs> but you shouldn't just always ask or think what God can do for you. I figure God put me here and he can take me back anytime he pleases. And that's my view of God. Pretty good, huh? I mean, he's working out his theology as a third grader. But I think about this because he has a concept of God already that's building and growing. And that's how our lives are supposed to be. Someone imparted the, the knowledge of Christ, the wisdom of Christ into his life. And his concept and explanation of God is being lived out and being written out and being sp spoke out. He's picking up this foundation somewhere, as we all are and we all did. And hopefully we'll continue to do. How would you explain God? I want to flip that for a minute because how would God explain our family? What is the theological part of our families? You know, sometimes people say the Bible doesn't have too much to say about family. I think the Bible has so much to say, not, not just to us as our earthly families, but as us as a Christian family. God's plan is family. It's his institution from the beginning. The concept of family is so important in the Bible, both in a physical sense and a theological sense. This is huge. Family is foundational in our growth as a Christian. And you look at Genesis 1.28, it says this. Look at this on the screen right here. Genesis 
God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the, fi the fish and the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So from the very beginning in Genesis 1, we know that family was God's institution. This is not a cultural institution. This is God's institution. He defines it. And we're to take care of his creation and each other. God's foundational plan for creation was for men and women to marry, have children. Um, a man and woman would form one flesh. There would be a union of marriage. And they would bring their children up in the family. Essential, this would be an essential building block for us today, for society. In Genesis 2.24, it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You cannot... You cannot deny what God is saying here, even though cultures want to change it. And the importance of family can be seen in the Old and New Testament. For example, the fifth commandment regarding honoring parents is meant to preserve the authority of parents in family matters. Parents, we have authority in our kid's life. And you look at the seventh commandment prohibiting adultery. It protects the sanctity of marriage, which we continue to need to do today. In the New Testament, Jesus speaks of the sanctity of marriage too. And he's against frivolous divorce. The Apostle Paul talks about what Christian homes should look like. You look at two commands from the New Testament. Children, obey your parents. I'll say it again. Children, obey your parents. <laughs> and parents, don't provoke your children. It goes hand in hand, right? Jesus' concept of family during his ministry here on earth shattered prevailing concepts of what people thought family should be. Jesus says that biological families are strong. Of course they're strong, and they're so important. But, and he's not ever diminishing an earthly relationship, especially between his mother and his brothers. But he is making the clear theological point here in the scripture that the kingdom of heaven is the most important family the tie that connects all of us in this room as Christians, not just to our earthly families, but to all of us, if you're a believer, that's the tie. He's making a theological point there. The kingdom of heaven is the most important family to be a part of. It's your spiritual, not your physical. Although both are important, make sure we're, we're in a spiritual family. This is a truth made clear in John's gospel. It says in John 1, 12 through 13, but as many as received him, to them he gave right to become the children of God. Look at that again. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I love this scripture right here because you are born into a family earthly, but you are adopted into a family spiritually and, and it's all because of God. When we're born physically, we're born into this physical family. When we're born again, we're adopted into this spiritual family. To use the words of Paul, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the gift of adoption. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Dad, thank you. So what's the Bible saying about family? The physical family, I believe this with all my heart, is the most important building block in human society. And as such, it should be nurtured 
and protected with everything that we have, even when we see things decaying. The more, I think even more important than that is this new creation that God is making in Christ, which is comprised of our spiritual family, of us as Christians, the church, made up of all people who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as our, as our Savior. Have we done that to be a part of this spiritual family? My prayer is that yes, that we won't let another day go by. I mean, Revelation 7, 9 says, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, this is who makes up this, this um, family. John 13, 34 to 35 says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. I know we have to put up with one another. But do you know that you're supposed to love not just your earthy fa earthly family, but the people right next to you? Look at that person next to you. And as weird as it is, just think in your mind, do you love that person? <laughs> You can say I love that person, but that'd be really weird, okay? So a new commandment I give you, that you're to love one another. Even I, as, as I have loved you, you're to love one another. By this, all men, we will know, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love, if you have this love for one another. So theologically, families are important. Earthly and spiritual families. And what's the defining characteristic if we're part of this family in our earthly family, in our spiritual family? What's the foundational truth? Is that we have a relationship with Christ and we're known by our love. What if Christians were known by our love in society and bringing a gospel culture instead of a cancel culture? We live in a cancel culture, but I believe with all our heart, families are supposed to bring a gospel culture flavor to our world. There's three quotes by Billy Graham. Billy Graham is one of my heroes of the faith. And this first quote right here, let's see. He says this, as, Christians, as a Christian has tremendous responsibility in his, to his own family, he or she has a responsibility of loving each member of the family. And I think that's talking to our earthly families right there. We have a responsibility of loving each other. Then we go to this next quote. A Christian has tremendous responsibility. So go to the next one right there, okay? No subject is closer to my heart than the family. The moral foundation of our country is in danger of crumbling as families break up and parents neglect their responsibilities. I look at this quote, and I believe he's right on, because if we don't have this foundational bringing up of our children, that's so urgent right now. If we lack our responsibility, then our society will be in moral decay. Have we seen that? Yes. Does it have to stay that way? No. His last quote is, amazing things can happen when the family of God bands together. And I think right here he's talking about our church family, the impact we can have, the impact we are seeing because our church is bound together. We are bound, we are binding our lives with Christ and we band together with each other focused on him. I think that's an overall view of family. But you break it down a little bit into our earthly families. Look at, look at how this foundation comes out. These are responsibilities and privilege just looking at our earthly families. Look at this right here. God teaches about relationships with him through family. Look at these scriptures right here. Go ahead, keep going. Just as the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Psalm 103 says that. That's a demonstration of God's love. Look at Ephesians 
He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. It's God's will that he adopted us. Do we understand that? Well, we will in a few minutes understand what this takes in. 1 John 3.1, see how great a love the Father has given us that we would be called children of God. And in fact, we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. But we are the children of God in our families. Second is God created and he loves and he wants faithful marriages. This in turn creates healthy families. I believe this with all of my heart. Hebrews 13.4 says this. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral immoral and adulterers. Now, this is a covenant when we get married between the Lord, not just to each other, but between the Lord. And covenants are to be taken very, very seriously. So we are to do all, our, all we can to not defile our marriages. Ephesians 5.31 says this, Nevertheless, as for you individually, each husband is to love his own wife the same as himself, and the wife must do it that she respects her husband. It's spelled out for us, guys and gals. And then Matthew 19, 6 says this, so they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no person is to separate. That was the final words on our vows when Joy and I got married. And I guess that's my prayer every day. Lord, don't let anyone separate this marriage. Let her keep putting up with me. All right? <laughs> Next is God commands that children are to be obeyed or to be cared for and trained. Listen to this. They're to be um, trained up in the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Very important verse for parents, right? We're not to provoke our children, but we're to bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. And next, God tells us and shows us what to teach our children. And for a moment, I want you to look at your Bible, and I want you to turn to Proverbs 23, 15 through 26. Go ahead. Let's hear the, the pages uh, turning. A proverb a day keeps Satan away. You remember these things, okay? <laughs> and here we are jumping in on a conversation between a dad and a son. Could be even God and us. My, okay, verse 20, uh, 23, 15 through 26. Listen to this. My son, if your heart is wise, my own heart will be glad. And my innermost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Certainly there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Listen, my son, and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Do not be, do not envy or do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe one with rags. Listen to your father who fathered you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice and he who fathers the wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. Give me your heart, my son, and let my eyes delight and let your eyes delight in my ways. And I love this right here because sometimes we think, well, what am I to bring my kids up in? Even as grandparents, 
Well, it's spelt out right here. God is talking to us right here in the truth of God's word and not to neglect it, but as a family, earthly family, to seek it together. And then you can look at Psalm 1-2. It says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on the law he meditates day and night. So are we seeing that in our earthly families? Are we meditating on it? God doesn't take family responsibilities lightly. Matthew 18, 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me is to sin, it is better for him that a heavy millstone will be hung around his neck and that he will be drowned in the depths of the sea. So as parents, I see this responsibility as huge. I don't want to see my children drowned. It's better that I don't do that, obviously. But I don't want to see our kids and our generations um, be led astray. I don't want to see them pass away without knowing the truth of God's word. And I want to do everything I can to do this, not to have them sin, but to see them bring up, be brought up in the Lord. And finally, God gives families the gift of forgiveness. And I love this because this is what I need almost every day. Really, every day, okay? Luke 17, three through four says this. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Whoa, I don't want to forgive him. But Luke is saying, guess what? According to biblical principles, you should forgive him as he, if he comes and repents. Oh, that's a tough one right there. But you know what? Aren't you thankful that you had forgiveness from God? So are we to demonstrate to others? You bet. And then Colossians 3.13 says this, bearing with one another. There it is. I know we have to bear with one another sometimes, okay? But forgiving each other too. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you must do also. And so the earthly family, a picture of our responsibilities that we are to bring up our children in the Lord. We are to bring up our grandchildren in the Lord. If we don't have kids or grandkids as caring adults, we're to bring up the church family in the Lord. And we, we can see God's teaching about relationships to our families. We're all part of a family. And he wants faithful marriages. And he wants our kids to be trained. And he wants to show us what to teach our kids. And he doesn't take this responsibility lightly. And he forgives. So we're not in this alone because he's demonstrated all of that to us. David Paul Tripp, one of my favorite authors, he writes so much on family, has this quote. And this is great for parents, grandparents, and caring adults. So your hope as a parent is not found in your power, your wisdom, your character, your experience, or your success. But in this one thing alone, the presence of your Lord the creator, the savior, almighty, sovereign king is with you. Isn't that great news? Let your heart rest. You are not in this parenting drama alone. And sometimes it seems like a drama. Look at this rest of this. Your potential is great. Your potential is greater than the size of your weakness. Because the one who is without weakness is with you. And he does his best work through those who admit that they are weak but in weakness still heed God. Have we ever been weak before in our earthly families? I'm the only one raising my hand. Okay, but even though I'm weak, we are still hopefully going to heed God. And when I feel weak, his strength comes to us because he is strong, right? 
And then you look at what he says about us together as a spiritual family. For a moment, let's talk to the church, CVCC, the impact we're to have on each other. And the church family goes way beyond these walls here, or whatever happens in our church. It goes to all Christians that have put their trust in Jesus Christ. But what does it mean to be a part of this family, which those that are believers here are? Well, the biblical foundation of spiritual family is mean that means that we have a common bond between us. We are a band of brothers. We are a band of believers. Romans 8, 14 through 17 says this, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery. Oh, this is huge. You have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Do we understand that? Look at the next part here. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. And here's the deal. He takes us out of slavery oh, and gives us a new status as adopt, adopted children. Paul says this in Galatians 4, 3 through 7 too. So also, when we were children, we were enslaved under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of, a vir- born of the woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. Here we go again. We all have an adoption story. Look at the next part. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, you're also an heir through God. Think about this for a minute. This passage, we see that Christians are born, well, all of us are born into slavery. We are slaves to sin. But, and there's a copyright big biblical but that I use right here, okay? This is a game changer. But Jesus buys us out of slavery, right? From his death on the cross to coming back to life. We're born a slave, but Jesus buys us out of slavery. And then we're adopted by the Father. And he gives us the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into us. And now we are heirs. Oh, my goodness. You may think you have an earthly uh, possession here or an heir of something great here. But we are heavenly heirs. We don't even understand fully that. When we come to faith in Christ, our debts are canceled. We are given a new name. And we're given all the rights and heirs that heirs of God possess. One difference, and listen to this for a minute. One difference between a Roman adoption is that Christians are not adopted because God thinks they will make worthy heirs. Listen to this. God adopts people who are completely unworthy because he adopts on the basis of his grace. So we're not adopted because of you or me. We are so unworthy. But he adopts us because of his grace. God chose us. We need to respond. And this quote by John Piper, I think, is very to the point. The gospel is not a picture of adoption. Adoption is the picture of the gospel, right? The gospel is not a picture of adoption. Adoption is a picture of the gospel. So we understand as our heavenly family, as our spiritual family, as our church family, we are adopted. We are brothers and sisters to each other. And so let's 
wrap this time up with how it's impacting us at CVCC. The impact of family ministries at CVCC, the impact of our, um, of our families, and the foundation of our homes and our church, obviously, should be built on the foundation of Christ. If we miss this truth, we miss on true impact in our family and in our, in our church. So how are we living out this concept at CVCC? How do we explain what God is doing? God's plan of earthly and heavenly families are that we are tied together, bound together and growing together, all generations side by side. I am so glad that we're doing that more and more side by side, all generations, and we have this tie. And it's to fulfill the Great Commission. You remember the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 28. Let's just put it up there for a reminder, okay? And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority, every bit of authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say that, teaching them to follow all that I command you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is him being with us. We are in this because of him. And is it worth it? I ask that question. Is it worth it? Well, I think it is. The impact of nurturing families. We're seeing families and church family, earthly families and church family growing together. We see families being a built that are being built on the foundation of Christ. Um, and this is a pivotal part of CVCC. And here's some foundational implications of this happening right now. And I'm going to read these, and there'll be some pictures that go along with it of you guys living this out. We worship together. More families are worshiping together. I think, well, at least since the two years I've been here, we're seeing cross-generational bounds, not just isolated to one room, but all together. We have age-appropriate teaching and discipleship happening weekly. We are not all these silos, 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 but we're all together as one team. We're seeing generations growing we have unity and cohesiveness between the age groups. We're one team ministering and living out the Great Commission. We see, we see kids and youth coming to Christ and being baptized. I love this. It seems like weekly we see baptisms happening, and not just kids and youth, but also um, adults, families coming to be baptized. And we see the missions trips, the family camps, programming with an intentional Shift to be together, as well as age-appropriate um, teaching, like I said before. And finally, we have something called key chain leadership. And what I mean by this, and my prayer is that we continue this every year better and better, is that we pass on the leadership of CVCC to the younger generations, who will in fact lead the church in the future, because the churches who haven't done this eventually die out. But if you are passing on your leadership as an adult, the things you are learning of God to your own kids and to us, the younger generations, this is why I think it's so important to be together. You, we are going to have leadership for the future. We're creating sticky faith, caring adults, sharing their testimonies with the next generation. I see 
adults not afraid of the kids building anymore, okay? This is awesome. Walk in there. Yeah, you've got to be careful. It might smell a little bit, but it's fun, okay? And then I see kids not being afraid of adults. We're all together living out our testimonies. We are, firm children. We are affirming our children no matter how old or young they are as Christ was affirmed by his dad. We share our faith stories, our testimony of faith. I love this little example. A few weeks ago, George Goldsmith came into my office, and we've been talking a lot about sharing our testimonies because not too many kids have ever heard their faith parents' faith story or grandparents' faith story. So he came in, and he was so excited. He goes, Ken, Ann and I had our grandkids over, and we, shared, we made an intentional effort to share our testimonies last Saturday. And he said, as I was sharing my testimony, how I became a Christian, my granddaughter put her hand up and said, I've done that. I've become a Christian too. And then a little bit later, his grandson said, I've done that too. I'm a Christian too. So that family, because they made an intentional effort to share their testimony, were all affirmed in the faith, wouldn't you say? A grandparent seeing their grandkids affirming their faith and knowing that they're a Christian. Does it get any better than that? When we get to share our testimonies, we're disciple makers. The primary home or the primary function of the home is to be disciple makers. It's foundational. And look at this next few slides. I want to tell you how I know this is foundational and then what we can do to make discipleship at home great. Parents, it's still the number one influencers of their child's faith. Believe it or not, you have the greatest impact. Having faith conversations at home is truly easier than we think. Don't stress out about making it a big deal. Be, just be intentional with the little moments. As you're walking down the road, as you're going to bed, as you're waking up, look for those God moments. Intentionally talk to God in your everyday life. Are, we, are our kids seeing that? I hope so. I hope Isaiah sees me talking to God. Sometimes I'm having a nice conversation. Sometimes I'm crying out, okay, but I'm still talking to him. Next one here. Next slide. Number four, intentionally make home a safe place to ask questions about God and life. If we do that, you will see faith development happen like crazy. Number five, intentionally listen to your children when they talk. Don't be ready to give the answer. Listen to what they're saying. Pray together. Always pray together. And one more little slide. Simply put, don't be boring. Remember that a life with Jesus is fun. Make it fun. And if we don't teach our kids about Jesus, who are we leaving it up to? Everyone else will be second best. Parents and grandparents and caring adults who have invested into these families, who are part of this church family and part of an earthly family, we're the ones who are supposed to be investing in to make the greatest impact of the foundation of Christ. I want to close with a blessing over you guys this morning. It's a little bit different because it's a time of response. Up here at the front tables, I have rocks. And each of these rocks have a cross engraved on them. And this is a, a response time. This, this rock is rock hard, like our foundation in Jesus Christ that our families are supposed to be built on. Whether it's our family, an earthly family, or our spiritual family. It's solid. And if we do not build on solid things, we're setting ourselves up for a fall, right? So this rock represents the foundation of Jesus Christ. I want you to build on this. 
And in a moment, we're going to have a song of response after this prayer that I pray over you. And whether you're here by yourself or you're here with your family, I want you to come up and take one of these rocks, just one per family. If you're here by yourself, take one for your family. And I want you to take it and pick it up and take it back to your seat. And while we're singing this song at the end, I want you to be singing that over your family as a blessing. But it takes a response I believe this with all my heart. It takes a response for us to grow our families in the faith. So this is symbolically a, fam, a response for us to nurture our families in the faith by simply coming up and taking a rock and putting it in a significant spot in your home. So when you see, so you see it when you're going out, when you're coming in, when you're laying down, when you're waking up so that our families can see it. One stone per family is fine. All of you can come up to take it together. The Lord created our earthly families, who I know some of you might need to just work on, or maybe you don't you got hard things going on. I understand. We're in this together. But I do know this. All of us in this room that are Christians, we're family members. We're the family of God. We're the family at CVCC. And we need you. And for the sake of all generations, you need us to grow together. Jesus ties us together. He is the family tie, foundational in our relationship with each other and, of course, with him. So if you're together, come up and take a rock. If you're by yourself, come take a rock. I want to pray this blessing, and then right after the blessing, Tyler's and the band are going to come up, and they're going to sing this song that is a blessing as well. And during that song, please come up and take a rock and let it be a reminder of making a spiritual impact in your home and in your church. Let me pray, bow with me. Dear fathers, I pray this blessing over all of us in here. I thank you for the book of Psalms. Psalm 103, 17 says, you give us a wonderful promise from everlasting to everlasting. The Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. What better foundational promise could we receive from you in our lives than to see our children and grandchildren's children, our chi all of our children, growing in your love and wisdom and righteousness? We ask for your hand of blessing on us, Jesus. Bless us with the strength to be there for those we love and wisdom to know what to say to bring comfort, encouragement, and sometimes difficult truth. Tie us together as a family at CVCC and in our homes. We will need your patience as we wait for your perfect will and as we see your love lived out to others in our lives. We are so grateful, Lord God. Amen. Please respond during this song.